Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I'm your host as always, David Cowart. And thank you guys so, so much for taking time out of your day. Listen to what this guy has to say. And it should be minty fresh because I just uh, swish with mouthwash and I'm like a, a dork. I totally forgot to, <laughs> to uh, rinse with water. So I've got like this really, really strong mouthwash taste right now. So... Uh, everything in the car, you know, you're here on the journey, should be minty fresh smelling right now. Um, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support and your listenership and subscribing and all of the wonderful things that you do because this is how I'm getting these interviews. People are reaching out to me and like, hey, I want to be on your show, you know, because of you guys, you know. They see the results that others are getting, they see you know, the listenership, they see, you know, how I'm promoting the shows, and they want to be a part of that, so thank you guys so, so much for listening, you know, because these interviews are, you know, coming across because of you guys, you know, um, (laughs) so when I started, a little bit of a funny story, when I started hit, right before I hit the record button, I heard something that I'm like, what the heck is that? And it instantly took me back to my childhood, which was odd, you know, because it wasn't, you know, I was in my car. So what car sound or what sound would bring me back to my childhood, right? Um, Well, I was instantly transported back to like 1990, I think six, when uh, Jurassic Park came out and heard what I thought or my brain interpreted as the sound of a velociraptor from the Steven Spielberg film Jurassic Park. Turned out it was not a velociraptor, which I was very disappointed to find out because, quite frankly, I think it would be really cool if dinosaurs existed in this day and age, Um, though I fear that the exact same mishaps, problems, greed, and everything else that happened in all what, four of the movies would happen, you know, um, as we fought for control of these once uh, extinct uh, creatures um, and tried to integrate them into normal day-to-day society, um, you know, I feel like a lot of those things probably would happen, so probably the best it didn't. But yeah, so I'm driving in my car, I'm getting ready to hit record, and lo and behold, there is a velociraptor. Uh, running up beside me, or so I thought, so my mind thought, right? So I turned my head, and sure enough, plain as day, even though it's pitch black outside right now, because I don't care how springy or summery or what time of year it is, or if it's leap forward or fall back uh, at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, it is still dark out. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, as the saying goes, plain as day, uh, running right beside my car was a train. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it passed by or whatever, how the wind and the vibrations and the the rails and the, the moisture in the air or how all of that stuff conspired to sound like a velociraptor. But it did, <laughs> and uh, needless to say, I was both uh, impressed and sadly disappointed when I found that it wasn't, but, you know, hey, 
at least I had this wonderful childhood memory rushed back to, um, you know, the fold and, uh, you know, have this bright moment, you know, in a, in a dark morning. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of, a lot of fun and interesting, um, and a lot of overexposition, which I have a tendency to do, uh, when telling stories. So anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, oh geez, these interviews, holy cow, <laughs> they've been so much fun. I've learned so much and there's more on the way. So definitely keep posted, subscribe, um, you know, and everything because, you know, a lot of great stuff coming down the pike. I've got uh, a couple books I need to read for upcoming interviews, uh, where they've sent me their books and I'm working through that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just super, super, super exciting to, uh, to be doing this. And, uh, you know, like I said in the, you know, previous episodes, the show's going to change. It's going to evolve. It's going to keep building and things will be taken away that need to be taken away and things will be added that need to be added. Um, I believe in keeping everything fluid. Um, I very much am a supporter of, you know, Bruce, Bruce Lee's uh, mentality and, and philosophy on, on life, you know, to, to be like water, you know, to uh, become what you need to become or to become uh, and to change and to adapt like water does to all its circumstances. So, you know, I want to keep bringing value to you guys in any which way I can. And as I find better ways to do that, I will try them. And if they work, great. If they don't, they'll bit, get chucked in the bin. It's not going to break my heart that I had an idea that didn't work out. If, it, if, it, if every time I had an idea that didn't work out, it broke my heart, I'd lay probably under my bed cowering in the fetal position every day and wouldn't have the strength to, you know, crawl out. Uh, you know, that's just the way life is. Not everything you do works. Um, and you just have to change and adapt and adjust until you find a way that it does work. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. Uh, life is probably the hardest game you'll ever play. Um, the rules are incredibly simple. But, um, yeah, there's so many different variables that can change how the rules are perceived. It's, it's basically like Monopoly. Um, if you're familiar with that board game, half of the ways that people play Monopoly... Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Almost everybody on Earth plays Monopoly wrong. Um, there's several rules that just aren't followed at all, and the only way you would know that they weren't being followed is actually if you read the instruction book. However, most people, like myself, since Monopoly came out way before I was born, uh, learned how to play Monopoly from other people, friends, family members, so on and so forth. Um, so, um, you know, uh, if you actually read the rule books, there's so many things that I've never even heard of, um, not once, and I've actually even read articles where people have written articles about how people play Monopoly and went through and they actually studied, like, multiple different families and people and played games of Monopoly with them or watched them play and 
realized and pointed out all the things that they were doing that were against the rules of the game. So um, I feel like life is very much like Monopoly in that regard, uh, just simply because the rules are there, but not everybody plays by those rules, and a lot of people aren't even really aware of how the rules work. And so sometimes life is really hard and uh, really tough. And then, you know, like, for instance, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day, and um, we were talking about uh, business. And, you know, she said, you know, she would make, uh, which she's ran a fairly successful uh, crocheting business where she's made custom items. She used to make custom handmade teddy bears that were incredibly amazing and detailed and articulate and intricate and you know they they had all these you know moving arms and legs and all this stuff and um you know she talked about how she would make them and sell them and people would buy them uh you know and, and even though she wasn't charging really what she should charge for them uh you know because she had like for instance with the bears i want to say she had like 40 or 50 dollars in the material because she bought really nice high-end machine washers and all this stuff. She actually bought them from a place that actually manufactures washers. She didn't go buy them at like Lowe's or Home Depot. She actually went straight to a washer manufactory um, and, a, and they would make the bolts and everything and you know it's American made quality product and all of this. So I mean, she would have about 40 or 50 dollars just in the materials and it would take her two to three days to make the bear because she had to hand sew everything. Um, yeah, because the bear fur that she used wouldn't run through a sewing machine and it wouldn't tear the, the actual fur. So she actually hand sewed all these bears. So it'd take her two or three days to make them. And she'd hand make all this clothing. And she'd have my dad hand make uh, wooden props. Uh, you know, like, like for instance, there was one that had like, a, it had like a baby doll. So she had my dad make a little crib for the baby doll. And, um, a baby bear doll or whatever. You get where I'm going with this. She she put a lot of work in it, into it. She charged like eighty or ninety dollars for these bears. She was making next to nothing, right? And so, um, you know, she'd get like relatives that would reach out to her and want her to make things for them, and she would charge them like basically just the cost of the materials. So, like, if she was making them, uh, you know, a uh, toboggan or, you know, a hat or something or a scarf, you know, and it was like $7 worth of yarn, she'd normally charge maybe $15 for it, uh, but she'd only try and charge them $7, and um, they'd be like, oh, but, but we're family, why are you, you know, I thought you were going to give me a discount. It's like, well, I'm giving it to you at cost. I'm not even charging you for the two days it took me to to make this, you know, 30-foot-long scarf for you, you know, uh, or whatever. I don't know how long it takes to crochet a scarf. I'm, <laughs> it's not so... I don't have the patience to do that. That's one of those things like reading a physical book. You can only do one thing. You can't really do something else. Well, granted, my mom's been crocheting since she was a small girl, so she can, like, watch TV while she does it. I would be sitting there staring at it the whole time, like, trying to will the needle to make the scarf. Like, you can do this. 
you know, here I'm just going to wave the needle in front of the yarn and it's going to turn into a scarf because uh, I have no earthly idea the, how that is actually done. It, it confounds me. Um, I watch her do it. I've watched my sister do it. I've watched many people do it. No clue. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people are, like, trying to get stuff for a discounted rate and stuff, and it's like, when you're an artist, when you're creating something, it's hard, because you want to help them out, but at the same time, you spent time, you worked on stuff, you put a lot of effort in, um, you know, and, and it took you, I mean, this is something that's poured out from your soul that you've created, you know, that has value, you know, and, you know, it's kind of hard because you want people to, to obviously purchase things from you or to purchase services that you offer, but at the same time, you're like, well, I mean, this is, this is a lot of work and they might not see all the work I'm doing, but I am doing a lot of work to make this possible for them. And it's kind of like a balancing act. Because I'm not a natural salesperson. Uh, that's not my soul. I mean, I can sell to people. But to go out there and sell my services or, or to... Like, for instance, with my books, I struggled quite a bit with the prices on a lot of my books. Because I was just like, I want them to be... I want them to sell, but at the same time, you know, I spent a lot of time working through them. And, and have a lot of time and money invested in them. And uh, I think the same is true for a lot of people, you know, uh, that, that are, are in the entrepreneurial field. So there's this fine balancing act. I mean, granted, some people it comes naturally and they're like, yep, this is what it is. And boom, 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 boom. And they have it. They know exactly what they need to charge and they find the people. Uh, but for a lot of us, it's just a matter of... I, I don't know, like, I mean, with, with my, my science fiction novel, you know, I mean, it's, on Kindle, it's $15, on print, it's $20, and, you know, I used other books on the market to, that are around the same size to price that, you know, I mean, granted, I'm not an established name, but at the same time, I spent a lot of days, a lot of sleepless nights. I spent a lot of time giving up things that I wanted to do because I knew I needed to write instead of going out and say, you know, going to a movie or hanging out with friends or whatever the case may be. I gave up on a lot of stuff so that I could focus on my writing and getting this book completed. And, um, you know, and I figure when I get famous, you know, I can, I can be like George R. R. Martin and be like, yeah, well, you know, book number eight is supposed to come out soon, but I'm too busy eating ice cream at Comic-Con, you know, or whatever. You know, when I'm, when I'm that, when I'm that famous, I can do whatever I please. Right now, I've got to hustle, you know, and I don't know if he eats ice cream at Comic-Con. I know he does go to a lot of Comic-Cons and makes a lot of appearances, and so he should. I mean, he's got one of the hottest, uh, fiction book series out, uh, you know, the, the Game of Thrones television series is coming to a wrap, um, you know, it's in its final seasons very soon, and, um, I'm excited about that as well, I'm one of the many, many, many millions of fans of that series, it was, 
a really interesting and unusual take that you just don't get uh, from from fantasy fiction because uh, usually it's a lot cleaner. And his response when people are like, "Why do you have all of this this um, you know stuff in your series?" and he responded, and I thought this was brilliant. He's like, "Well." I want it to be like real life. I want it to be real, you know. This is the type of stuff that would most likely happen, <laughs> uh, you know, if you took real life and added the magical elements to it. You know, there, there'd be all of this this uh, intrigue and deception. This is not, you know, you don't have this clean, like, oh, everything's perfect, but there's this one little problem, you know, life's messy. And... and um, especially when power is involved. And, uh, you know, I thought that was really brilliant. I mean, and I know his books and his series is not for everyone, but, uh, you know, that gained me a lot of respect for him and, and what he was writing because of the fact that, you know, he realizes that, you know, all of these problems are out there in the world and he wanted to write about them. And he used fiction to write about all these problems to help people see that, like, yeah, stuff like this happens. Uh, this is these are real world problems, and uh, so I thought that was a really cool way to actually accomplish that. So, um, so yeah, but one day, but you know I'm excited. I mean the book's selling uh, reasonably well. Um, I was actually surprised when I locked into my Kindle Direct account, a couple more copies had sold, and I was thrilled about that. So. I don't check it as often because I realize, just like they tell you in Weight Watchers, if you um, if you weigh yourself every single day, you're gonna go nuts because you know you're gonna see you know ups and downs and blah blah blah. So the same thing when checking stats um, on book sales or really checking anything. If you check it every day, you're gonna drive yourself nuts because that's what I was doing. I was like, okay, I've looked today, no sales, look tomorrow, no sales, look today, no sales, look today, oh, look, I sold a couple, look tomorrow, so no sales, <laughs> wait a second, I just sold some yesterday, why can't I sell some today, so it's, it's very easy to get into that, that mindset, and to be chasing that, um, you know, it's almost like an addiction in a way, when you start gaining that, when you're checking everything every day, and, you know, it, it, it's real easy to get lost in, so, you know, I just was like, you know what, I'll just check it every once in a while, it's not a big deal, um, but, you know, it was, it was good to see some sales, and, um, you know, I've got my next book coming out, it's being edited by Andrada, uh, who I interviewed on the show previously, um, so I'm super excited about that, <clears throat> she is an amazing, phenomenal editor, writer, copywriter, ghostwriter, <laughs> she does so much, and um, <clears throat> her prices are actually based on looking at all these different um, editors and, and companies that I've looked at, obviously, being in the writing game now, um, and trying to learn the ropes, uh, based on, you know, what I've found, her rates are actually better than most everyone else. Um, so, you know, it's, and normally, um, you know, 
I would go to a friend or someone that I really knew, even if it was more expensive. Um, so, you know, that's not a problem because I would rather support a small business than a corporation. I would rather support a friend over, you know, uh, uh, someone I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I was totally cool with that. But at the same time, like I said, as far as normal editing services, uh, for, for a book, she's actually, um, below those costs and you know so I'm super excited to have her editing my book um, and of course if you are looking to write a book or looking for an editor or looking to you know get into that space I would definitely recommend you reach out to her you can find links on how to get in touch with her in uh, the show notes of the episode where I interviewed her um, I'll probably go in and copy those links into this uh, show as well. And um, that way you guys can find it easier because obviously having a daily seven-day-a-week podcast, which is funny, I'll get back to that, but having a daily podcast, um, you know, <laughs> it's easy for an interview to get down in the list uh, where you have to kind of search for it. Uh, pretty quickly, um, and the funny thing about what I was saying is, is I had to say a seven day a week daily podcast because, ironically enough, with podcasting, which is weird, because I don't understand how the English language works on this one. Um, but when you go and you're setting up on a podcasting website or trying to get you know your show added, a lot of times they'll ask you, "Is it a weekly show or is it a daily show?" But there's actually two daily options. One is daily five days a week, and the other one is daily seven days a week. So I didn't realize that if you were doing something daily, that there was an option on not doing it every day. Because the word daily pretty much implies every day. Um, I'm, I mean, that's the way I understand it. Um, but I guess... Um, you know, which I get it. You know, some people don't podcast on the weekends. And I'm not saying anything against people who don't podcast on the weekends. But um, I just don't consider that daily. I would consider that like a um, weekday, you know, weekdays podcasting or, or maybe another word for it. I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, I saw that when I was submitting my podcast to several different podcasting sites and it hadn't really struck me as funny or, or, well, I mean, it struck me as odd, you know, just definitely odd, but, um, it, it didn't strike me as funny until just now when I was like, yeah, I host a daily podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I need to clarify because some people who listen to the show might actually be wondering, you know, or if there's a new listener might be wondering if it's a daily seven day a week or a five day a week podcast. And, uh, yeah, it was just very, very unusual. So, but, uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much as always for listening, for tuning in, for being a part of the show, for your support, for your listenership, for everything that you guys do. You are amazing. You are the reason this show is as successful as it is. And, um, you know, 
Keep up the good work, guys. I appreciate it. Tell your friends, your family, your enemies, your dogs, your cats, whoever can listen to this podcast, let them know to check it out. I'm going to keep doing this show. Like I said, it may grow, it may evolve, things may change, whatever. But I'm going to keep trying to make it so it's the best value, the best help, and the best show for you guys. So with that being said, as always, Car Thoughts out. Hey everybody, David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life. To give us the best chance of survival, we're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, A Story of Hope by David Calvert.